Hi, and welcome to the Get Known podcast. For those of you new to Get Known, we interview journalists about their work and what they cover so companies know better how to engage with the press and get their company covered in the media. Our big goal is to make sure that companies that are out there reaching out to the press build the right relationships, pitch the right ideas, and understand better what wastes journalists' time and what wastes their time. Today, we have the treat of featuring an interview where my colleague, Christina Nieminen, sat down with the managing news editor of Helsinki Sanomat, Yussi Pulinen. Yussi has been with HS, Finland's largest newspaper, for the last 15 years and started out as a journalist there. We caught up with him a week before the big slush conference here in Helsinki. When we want to get deep into the understanding of the stories larger publication chooses to go with, It's always good to hear the point of view of a news editor because they have the pulse of the readership constantly in sight. As a reporter, UC covered everything from domestic reporting and culture and politics before managing the entire news operation for Helsinki Sanoma. So he has both the practical experience of a journalist and the editorial needs of the publication in mind. If you're still seeing his name regularly on stories, it's because he still gets to do a bit of op-ed writing too. Christina and Yussi talk about an interesting range of everything from the erosion and trust in journalism to Elon Musk and Twitter. For those of you interested in understanding what gets an editor excited about your pitch, this is the episode for you. Yussi gives a bunch of tips and lessons learned. I mean, the guy gets 150 pitches a day to his inbox. How does he deal with all that? This is a place to learn it. Also, for myself, being an American in a country with top-ranked press freedom, and public trust in media, they dive into what the rest of the world can learn from Finnish media culture. So without further ado, I will turn it over to Christina. Enjoy. So, um, Jussi, tell us about yourself and uh, how you got into journalism. Yeah, so I, cu- I currently work as a uh, managing editor at Helsinki Sanomat. Mm-hmm. The, it's the biggest daily newspaper in Finland. Um, and I'm in charge of news, basically. I, I'm in charge of all the news coverage, from politics to domestic news to culture news. That's sort of me. I work with the editor-in-chief day to day to get our news coverage to where it should be. And how I got here, um, uh, well, I... So well, I, we could start from from reading the Lord of the Rings when I was like five or six, and kind of really into uh, sort of uh, literature and writing and, and stuff like that, and that grew grew into sort of general interest into you know, into society and and reading and went to uni, and and I was employed uh, in a trainee program at Sanoma, which is the uh, it's the big uh, well the one of the biggest media companies in in Finland. Uh, running Helsingin Sanomat, Ilta Sanomat, and other other media outlets as well. And uh, well, I've been at Helsingin Sanomat since. It's been 15 years now, and I've been changing jobs. I've been domestic reporter, doing like basic news beat. And then I've been in charge of our sort of youth stuff at NUT, doing like pop culture, stuff like that, short stint in a culture section. I've been mostly managing stuff for like the last 10 years at Helsingin Sanomat and I'm managing the news operation. That's how I, the short version of how I got here. All right. So 
if you think a little bit more about how you got into journalism, so what was the hook that got you in? Like you've stayed in yeah. it for such a long time. No, no ventures into the PR world or agency <laughs> world through and through uh, a journalist. So yeah, did, what is it? Yeah, I did like um, have a sort of a jump into the world when I was studying at the uni. I did a few like summer jobs in PR and actually worked in a comms agency for a short while as well. But then uh, I think I'm, I think as a personality, I'm a bit too, a bit uh, sort of all over the place in a sense. I'm interested in, in a whole lot of things from culture to uh, to politics and every, everything like that. So it's it's more rewarding for me to look at like many different things than just go really, really deep into something really specific. So this was one thing. And then I think like all journalists really should have like this drive to like uh, drive to be curious, like curiosity. Do you have to, you need to have the drive to be the first to know. And I have that, like, you know, what's behind this door. And it's always rewarding when you go through the door, whatever is behind that, uh, that you find there. I think that's one, one thing. And then there's like the general sort of, um, interest in how things work and how like the big decisions are made, who holds power. I think I have a strong interest in power, sort of who makes the calls on how we live and, and why and, and who makes the rules. So I think it's a combination of that from mm. into journalism in the end. Mm. And you quite recently, you changed roles inside Helsinki and yeah. uh, How has that been? What's what's the biggest difference that has happened now? Yeah, I previously ran the uh politics and business section, uh, which is one of the new sections we cover. So I, in that, in that job, I, um, I was in charge of sort of the basic news, like in politics in Finland and business and economics in the whole world, basically. And, and as part of that, I, we also set up a, um, news supplement or section for Helsinki settlement called uh, HS Visio, which is a uh, sort of a uh, feature uh, thing around journal, uh, around um, technology, startups, uh, macro economy and, and stuff like that, investing, sort of a uh, business tech supplement. It was really fun running those things. Um, and that, that was like sort of very hands-on. I worked a lot of, I met a lot of sort of executives in Finland. So internationally got to talk to a lot of politicians running the sort of day-to-day things there where people just go behind the scenes, talk to sources and, and sort of like that very sort of hands-on kind of thing. Now I'm sort of managing the thing from a from like one step further uh, and sort of try to use the volume patterns a bit more and, and sh- sort of just direct the attention of our reporters in some direction mm-hmm. and, and and let them do the digging a bit more. So I think that's the main difference. Uh, and the other thing is that you kind of see journalism in a different sense also when you look at it from this perspective, when you see it sort of a, um, you don't see all the nuts and bolts. So you get to sort of drive it in a, in a more general sense, which is quite interesting. Actually, also you kind of end up in a position where you're both a reader and a manager because you don't see everything and you're not supposed to. So you sort of look at things, I think, in a, in a better light as well at mm. the same time. 
All right. All right. In terms of, you know, the hecticness of the job, I remember a couple of years ago you were tweeting about that it took you several minutes to write one tweet because you kept getting yeah. uh, interrupted all the time. I think something big was happening at the time in Finland yeah, and Finnish politics. Something, and yeah, I think news. semi-big, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. Some, it, was something, it was something big, let's put yeah. it that way. And how is it now? Is it the same kind of hecticness or has it calmed down? Uh, well, yeah, the, the, the job that I was posting those tweets from was like I was running the news day from, in our I think, our politics and business section. And that's like one of the most hectic jobs in our newspaper, at least, mm. where you get all those sort of get like, I don't exactly know the exact number, but let's say 150 press releases coming at your way uh, per day. You get like thousands of tweets coming at you from business people, investors, politi- politicians, decision makers in other fields coming at you and you have to sort of try to find the signal in that noise, then just find the reporters around you to turn that signal into stories, have discussions with them on on what that story might be, and then just look at all the signals you missed while you were doing all this and, and, and sort of handle all that. So that's that's part of it. it. It sounds really hectic, but it's sort of the best job also, one of the best jobs in, in Finnish journalism because you just are in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. So you're you're in a kind of a flow situation. Yeah, in, in a flow, you're yeah, you're like you're really very much uh, in the middle of everything that happens. But today, yeah, it's not as hectic because I'm sort of like I said, I'm like using the volume sliders a bit more and and not sort of uh, like doing that. I'm just sort of saying, hey, maybe that signal is something we should like put more work into and, and stuff like that. So it's not as hectic. It's also sometimes not as fun because it's really fun also to be in the middle of all that. Mm. So when you say single, what do you mean exactly? Uh, when I say single, um, yeah, I mean like that's like, yeah, you got when I call the press releases and the tweets and everything you 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 see during the day as, as noise. And then you, there's a lot of like stuff like, like this, press releases coming in from other countries as well as us and and all that and you have to like find the story that holds some holds some relevance to your readers and or at least the core core part of your readership and what sort of represents a change in their environment that they should be aware of mm. and i think that's the signal sort of most times that there's like a change or true potential for change in the living environment for the people that are your core readers. I think that's the sort of the very definition of news in a sense that it's something you, that will impact you either directly or indirectly Mm. uh, in the future. And this is why you should know it. I think that's like the most basic definition you can give for a news story. And that's what we all are always looking for. And, and sort of, um, it could be very indirect if it's sort of climate things happening in a few decades or something, but there's a new prognosis for something like that. So that's definitely news. It could be really immediate, like something happening uh, in a crisis somewhere, in a conflict that that might sort of have implications for security in Finland or or maybe sometimes it might be an innovation or something like that that might sort of have implications down the road for 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 like 
ordinary readers and their lives and they, something they might be interested in for that reason. Mm-hmm. And when we think about how quickly uh, journalists have to make decisions in those kinds of situations where all these signals are coming in, there are press releases, there are tweets, and uh, perhaps other types yeah. of pitches. So how how do you make those decisions then? Like if you've got like a lot of good signals to follow, but you can't yeah. do them all, how do you make that those decisions? Yeah, that's like, that's the magic of it all. It feels like in, in tech, you call you call it the secret, people call it the secret sauce sometimes. It's like this an algorithm or something like that, the, the very thing that that's the essence of your product. I think that's the secret source of journalism. It's it's really hard to put down exactly like sort of what are the criteria. There are no sort of written criteria because it always depends a bit on timing. It always depends a bit on uh, the available resources and other th- stuff that's happening and, and 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 stuff like that. But what it really often does come down to is sort of uh, in the end the everyday lives of of your readers and the um, and 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 the way it might change that or the way it might sort of change the lives of their children or whatever and that's I think that is the main criteria and the other other thing is sort of the if it's information that helps people make up their minds about something. And then that's sort of also an impact on their lives, but it's whether it's like voting that this is information about other people, even if it doesn't like impact you directly, this is something that might change the perspective for some people uh, around something. It might, could be anything, could be sort of uh, a heavily political thing or then, or it could be like an everyday thing, like raising children or, taking in a pet or something like that, but new information that might affect like decision making in, in stuff like that. So that, that are, those are like the two core, I think core things like impact in your life or like something that has an effect probably in, in my sense as a journalist on on decision making hmm. in, in some field of life. So as in the position that you're currently in, do you do you still write? What is your beat and what do you focus on? Uh, I write sometimes. I mostly write. Um, everyone writes at our paper, like this. Even the editor in chief does write sometimes. So, but I, I mostly write like opinion pieces. It's like commentary on the news, and uh, like I'm from a, uh, I have basically a business tech sort of background, and and politics as well. So it's often a mix of those, uh, like on how we regulate tech or how we sort of. Um, uh, handle immigration, like when people are need jobs in, uh, we need people to uh, like do work in Finland. How do we get those people in for startups or for like uh, everyday work and um, stuff like that? So I'm more more like commenting and can give in perspectives on the news and sort of uh, expressing opinions. Also, as I sort of um, in a way represent the paper these days, so sort of like. Uh, trying to give our readership perspective on 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 sort of things and points of view from which to think about think about the news that goes by so fast are you currently 
following any big stories that are taking place right now, Twitter is kind of on my mind, but anything yeah. else. And if you're following Twitter, why? What's interesting <laughs> about that? Yeah, I, I do. I am following Twitter, for, for example, like like while we're talking, it's uh, Musk has just sort of launched his like $8 uh, subscription service uh, around that. I'm, and I'm really interested in the power dynamic there as well. So, so um, it's sort of been he's running the company in a very sort of chaotic way as we speak and and how does that actually exactly work where how does the capital allocation actually work here if he's got 44 billion dollars to just like have a play thing for himself and and sort of not have a plan how does that work how how are the banks sort of funding the, the the whole operation how are they looking at the whole thing and will the sort of whole one guy knows it all myth survive the chaos that's currently enveloping the Twitter, at least as we speak now, we don't know what it's going to be in two months, but it's really interesting. The whole power dynamic, it goes back to on who gets capital and why, for example, to spend on, on such things. Why do we trust these guys who run such a uh, political operation? Why do the banks bankroll him? in doing this and, and, and stuff like that. So there's this huge questions uh, in addition to the uh, the question of, of who gets a batch and who doesn't and, and, and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Like if, if so if we think about the blue, blue check mark thing that's yeah. happening right now, that anybody can get it, anybody, anybody can buy it. What does that mean for journalists who are using Twitter as a source for stories? Because doesn't it get more much more difficult to evaluate like what is a reliable kind of source or a signal or a news tip with that kind of a chaos in the veri- verification system? Yeah, I think everything that makes it more difficult to be like sort of sure about who you're talking to online is a bad thing for not just for journalism, but for uh, I think trust in societies in general. So generally it's a really, really bad thing to erode sort of trust in the digital environment which is like bad already and if you're just like take one piece of it and erode it further you're just doing damage basically so it's not it's hurting journalism and it's hurting society more widely as well uh, because it's eroding trust in general and um then uh, in journalism particularly we we already are pretty cautious on on stuff like this um there was this like epic troll just a few days back in the finnish tax system where a guy basically pretended to be the um sort of the most well-paid person in finland by sort of trolling the tax uh, department in finland and 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 you you really have to be careful when sourcing accounts or people you don't know online and 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 in, that does make it this whole thing be careful but it does make it more difficult so it's it's a bad thing for trust in general mm. i think uh if we compare finland to the united states there's a big trend in the states that people don't trust the media mm-hmm. whereas in finland it's quite a different situation it's been changing but there is still much more trust in journalism in media outlets um, how do you deal with that shift in trust in at Helsingin Sanomat? Like, is it a point of discussion at the editorial office? And how do you how do you work towards ensuring that 
you still have the trust of your le- readers and continue to have it. Yeah, because yeah, it's you're good to say that it's 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 it, it is a pretty different Finland is actually number one country uh, in, in many rankings around trust in the media. So we're very lucky to have it here with other you know, other Nordic countries are just just up there with us so so we're in a in a very good place in this regard in the Nordics as well but yeah there's um there are groups in in Finland as well where when trust is sort of eroding in the media not just uh on the political edges where it's like obvious that there are groups who sort of don't see themselves reflected in the media but also I think in groups uh that are um sort of left behind in some other ways in society there are sort of we do know from research that people with like lower incomes don't see themselves in the media as often as people with uh, don't, don't see themselves represented in the media as often as as people with higher income and uh, and, and stuff like that so uh, we do talk about a lot of transparency is one thing we try to uh, publish sort of columns and stories where we explain where why we do what we do there was this um as we're talking uh, for a few uh, months back there was this like political scandal revolving around the prime minister finland sanna marin with and her sort of um private life and the mm-hmm. uh um sort of party material that was uh, released on social media from her circle of friends uh and uh just just today there was sort of an, a decision made that the news coverage around that was didn't break any finished journalism rules but um in those situations we really have to explain to the readers who reacted very strongly to the scandal that the media is sort of blowing it out of proportion or um discussing stuff that's not sort of relevant or stuff like that so we have to sort of write sort of i i've personally wrote a story where i tried to explain why we're like sort of trying to dig stuff and why we are sort of think that this is something that people should know as it might affect their decision making again in politics or or our in the voting booth for example mm. and why sort of the private life of a prime minister is also source of uh, and, and a new story so i think that's one thing trying to be transparent uh also being diverse is really important sort of trying to um uh sort of cover uh sort of make journalism in a sense that our audience in some way reflects the demographic sort of make out of fins so then we know that we're sort of able to do stuff that reaches everyone we're not like i said there's a lot of, there are groups that are not sort of that are news averse now that some some don't really use news that's something we talk about a lot and i think also um just sort of um correcting your errors and being very transparent about it and saying that when you're wrong or when you made a mistake you don't sort of hide it or you just sort of admit it and you try to be open to the audience in that sense as well but not bow- bowing to your audience but sort of just um yeah, being open and, and sort of being confident but being sort of fair in that sense that when you mess up you just say that you messed up exactly um regarding transparency and what kind of representation Helsing and Sonoma puts into their stories I think at one time at least there was this uh kind of a measurement of wanting to bring more women into mm-hmm. into the articles and uh, I think the the aim was to get it like half and half 
Yeah. And uh, I don't think Helsingin Sanomat has ever got, quite gotten there. Why is no. that? Yeah, it's but yeah, there's like yeah, there's an automatic bot that we made for ourselves to count the number of uh, women and men in in news stories based on their names, and um, and yeah, it's not well, it, the bot hasn't been close to half, I don't think, uh, for many times. It, it depends a bit on what you look at. If you look at news uh, in our foreign desk, the numbers are pretty dire and that's mainly because the political leaders of other countries are male. If you look at Finland, they're better because our political leaders are women. So that sort of tells you one reason that the journalism does sort of always reflect the power as well. It, it doesn't sort of change the power. It would be sort of, it wouldn't be sort of, it would be insane not to write about political leaders for, of Germany or France based on their gender, uh, basically. But then when we look at um, the people that we choose, that the people where we can make a choice and sort of the experts or sort of the, uh, where we sort of can, it's easier for us to decide who gets to talk. Like it's like um, author in the uh, sort of culture section talking about their book or something. So that's that. those are the places where we can make a difference. We, we don't just reflect the world, we just sort of also create the media environment. So there we're doing a bit better, I think, in the, in the numbers as well. And that's where we've done a lot of work. Um, but it's, we're not there yet either because, um, well, the academia, you know, the startup world, everyone, it's not, it's not sort of, uh, it's not equal either. So sort of the, you have to do more work to find the uh, sort of representation. And also there's the questions of, of if you should sort of, where do you draw the line? If you're like a startup has a, uh, what, what's the sort of, we always have to look at the impact on the reader first and then sort of try to make the other decisions after that. So that's sort of all, always a balancing act all, also mm. that you can't just, uh, you can never you can you can't use just one criteria for a new story in in any other field either. So you have all it's always a combination of stuff. Yeah, you you really can't, and especially well, San Francisco works a lot with startups and growth companies and tech companies. And it's true that when we have CEOs or co-founders who are women, we always see that as an advantage when we are pitching stories about them because yeah. again. While while gender isn't the only thing affecting the like the interest level of that story, it's still a little bit of an aspect there. Um, what kinds of stories um, bring out the biggest reactions from your readers in terms of feedback, be that negative or positive? Uh, well, there, uh, yeah, I think they're often somewhere. Our investigative stories are the ones that usually provoke the most sort of feedback in in all directions because they are. They are by design sort of critical about something, and if the thing that we, that that's being looked at in the story is sort of political in some sense, or a person, or a political person, or 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 stuff like that, or an institution that's important for some people, um, they always bring out a pretty strong reaction. 
that's really one thing. They are very strong believe people are very strong believers and and sort of there's a fan culture around almost everything online, as we know, and people react very strongly to criticism towards the the thing that they love or like and and, and live with. So that goes also for politicians and and stuff like that online. So they do provoke a lot of lot of reaction, like investigative and and criticism at at, at someone. It always sort of leads to that. It's also visible in 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 the culture section as well, actually. So sort of book reviews, if they're very negative, for example, might provoke a like a strong response from readers. Um, not not necessarily towards us, but sort of a lot of discussion around the criticism and and stuff like that. So criticism in general, and this is a thing that's really interesting and also a bit worrying is that is it how can we as societies sort of process criticism directed at things that we like? Are we sort of, um, how do we take that and how do we sort of are able to discuss that uh, without sort of getting provoked? Doesn't mean that the criticism is always right either, but sort of at least having tough discussions around things that are important to us uh, ourselves. So that's sort of, uh, I think, a skill that we might be better at in Finland as well. So so that's, uh, uh, it, it goes back to trust uh, mm. in, a, in a way, because you sort of can experience sort of a shattering of trust if a thing that's important to you gets criticized in a way that you don't feel sort of uh, to be balanced or something. And that's why we also, there's also a huge responsibility for us to uh, to have those aspects in a story about um, about what that is that the criticism is just one part of the thing or or sort of having those mm-hmm. and 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 then giving out being transparent and saying why it's important to talk about these things even though they are difficult or 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 hard. What do people who don't really understand the work of journalists, what are the most common misconceptions they have about <laughs> what you do, what your colleagues do? Uh, what yeah. does Helsingin Sanoma do yeah. every single day? What are they? Well, there's, there's a lot of them. Uh, well, one of them is sort of the uh, one where pretty common one is that that people assume that the, the reporters are sort of do most work alone, that they sort of they decide what they write and then they just like act on their own biases and then just put it out there and they and have an agenda yeah they have an yeah agenda, and then yes. and then then no and then sort of they are the that a single person really can sort of just drive through their own own things that that's not how the journalistic process works of course there's always a bunch of editors around the story the bigger the story is the more there are usually and and sort of honing it and trying to get it to be transparent and poking at the soft spots and a lot of stuff doesn't get published at all because it doesn't pass the thing. So people usually assume uh, too much uh, for like motives for just one person. It's always the, there's an institutional process behind every story basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's one common misconception. And there's a lot of misconceptions around uh, sort of um, uh, independence or, or sort of, uh, uh, of, of our, like the journalistic freedom that we enjoy that, that people, we still sometimes like run into a misconception that you can sort of buy stories, which you absolutely cannot do. 
Yes, ever. and this is something yeah. we have to tell yeah. our clients a lot of the time that when we pitch stories, we cannot guarantee a result. We can only try. And we can we need really need to think about what that journalist is looking for. We need to think about the timing and a bunch of other things. Yeah, and yeah, and that's absolutely true. And people don't sort of and then there's the misconception that you should be always have access to media. That it, that it's sort of that it's just um, thing that you send in and then it gets sort of passed on and, and and stuff like that. That's one misconception of of our work. Then there's one that's um, that the uh, uh, people we interview or the sort of the people we approach on stories or or the targets of journalism, if you will, are sort of owners of the story. And they think that uh, they can sort of um, decide what what gets put into a story or or sort of control the story in some sense. That's always that's the first principle of of the Finnish journalist sort of principles that. Um, that the all the decisions are always made by the uh, journalistic institution and no one else. So, so mm. in the end, we decide what we put out, and and we are responsible for that to the audience and yeah, and no one else. Yeah, is in exactly, control. exactly. And that's actually one of the most common uh, you know arguments that we can have as you know PR professionals working with clients is that we can we can provide the idea, we can provide a brief. To a journalist, but we also have to let go of the level of control these companies might have over their marketing channels and their marketing yeah. messages. So we're in a different world. Uh, a little bit of a juicier question, yeah. maybe. What is the worst pitch you've ever gotten? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good. Um, I can't remember a single one, but I remember like the general concept probably is around sort of. Uh, a very sort of tech, no tech-oriented sort of thing to a general paper that there's a very deep tech sort of business-to-business solution around uh, data processing in a sort of mainframe environment or something like that. There's a lot of those that are sort of often not close to having an impact on or an, an, an indirect impact on someone's life that's in our core readership, something like that, probably. If I have to sort of think of one thing, there's a lot of those that are like really boxed in, in, in some sense, to, to, mm. to a tech to, to a tech angle or very technology specific. Um, uh, then there's sort of um, very fr- pitches that sort of start from the, company itself so sort of that someone like sort of got funding for a company for example there those are news stories sometimes as they do tell about the movement of capital in society for example who gets money and and where the power is but um oftentimes the impact of one sort of such a news story isn't as big as some companies sort of think it is mm. if for a general news audience mm. it's more of part of a trend than just like new, big news story in itself stuff like that um um yeah i think those are the uh the, the, the tech focus is i think one of the most sort of mm. the thing i run into most often 
Yeah. Well, I I would imagine that well, we we do work with a lot of startups, but there are also a lot of startups that we don't work with. Yeah. So of course, everybody wants to get into Hoas Visio because their tech yeah. is the most amazing in the world, and you yeah. have never heard of anything that's this amazing. Um, what kind of a pitch gets your attention? <laughs> yeah, I think they are are uh, the. Uh, the thing, things that do get our attention are sort of things that ha- do have that sort of possibility of, of sort of, I don't know, dramatic change in the world or, or sort of change of perspective or sort of a uh, uh, that, that reach wider in the world than just sort of one field where you're working at that do have like implications in a wider trend in society, in, in, in something that's um, not just a better mousetrap, but it's, it's, it's sort of a change, a, uh, a thing that combines, for example, trends in, in aging and for technology, for example, or provides solutions to, um, uh, like, uh, like in, in, in fields that the startups don't usually work in, that there's this new sort of direction that the ecosystem is going towards so that that they have like implications in a wider world than just the engineering world mm. or sort of the the sort of technological processes of of our current system that it does have that capability or 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 sort of providing points of view beyond that so i think that basically that um and um I think, of course, coming from a Finnish perspective, like a Finnish, uh, Finnish media, uh, also um, stories that do have like implications for the Finnish economy more widely, sort of imp- that like provide jobs for people or uh, bring money into Finland, foreign direct investments into Finland or foreign direct investments from Finland to other places, uh, stuff like that, that are sort of having have an impact on on a lot of people. Uh, back here, sort of those like big movements of capital or people from from one place to another. Yeah. But then, like as we also do a lot of stories about people, so often people who sort of have a um, um, have have an interesting story to tell about something they did, and the story often has implications for for the wider world. For example, mm-hmm. a person who's who's just a uh, like uh, we get a lot of pitches, for example, around people who are for who want to talk about the certificate of their company got around like security or this mm-hmm. amazing oh award, boy. Yeah. award their company won in 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 a fair somewhere about like yeah. some feature thing that how they are number four in the world about in 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 sort of environmental stuff, but that's not sort of that's like more company centric, but if the person has like a story to tell on how how they were sort of um, fighting the cyber war with the Russians or something like that, so that has wider implications mm. and like and connects to a story that's going on somewhere or going on in the in the sort of mainstream public consciousness at the time. So then it gets mm. a lot more sort of interesting than just something that is very company company specific. So Yeah, yeah. We're gonna need to isolate that bit about uh awards and certificates because I'm going to be sending that to a lot of people from now on <laughs> every single time I get asked to pitch a story like that. 
Um, perhaps like as a as a well, another question that I'm curious about when it comes to your career, like you're in you've been in journalism for a long time at Helsinki Sanomat specifically for a long time. Do you see yourself staying there, or are you going to move to another position within Helsinki Sanomat at some point or some other? Well, I don't know. I just started like three weeks ago in this job, so it would be a sort of rash. Oh, I'm on, on my way out the door already. But uh, I don't know. I liked I liked journalism. Uh, I like the profession. I like the uh, ideals it holds. But you never know what's going to come uh, come next. But I'm a journalist at heart. I know as much. I'm I'm also a writer. I've written a few books and uh, stuff like that. So uh, on on the internet and, and and social media mostly. So. So I'm. I think I'm doing something similar in the future as well. Would you be interested in being the editor in chief one day? <laughs> well, you never say no to such things, of course. No. All right. We'll take that as an answer. Then. <laughs> What's something that's not your personal beat, but it's uh, it's a personal interest that you maybe like to write about when you get the chance? Well, it's not my beat, but I was a journalist, for example, of social. The, the social lives of people are really important. This also goes back to pitching as well. So sort of the um, uh, the everyday life is sort of an unappreciated asset in journalism often and people like relationships between people. It could be like uh, like a romantic relationship or a family relationship or, or whatever and, and stuff like that. And how does that translate into politics and how even technology comes into that? And, and how it affects those those things. That's something I'm really interested in, uh, in structural level. So that as well. So that's I'm what I'm really interested in, in as well. Uh, and it's journalistically also really interesting if you like how this tech and uh, sort of the startup scene sort of change those dynamics in in some way. That's that's really interesting. Uh, I think um, also like art <laughs> yeah you do share a lot of art on your instagram yeah, yeah. I'm, i like i go, go to art galleries a lot and i think that well yeah visual culture also it's uh it's sort of art uh, well culture and and sort of politics and 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 even business they are actually quite closer to each other than you might think they sort of come into they have provide a commentary on the world from like a bit different angles but they all sort of talk about the same thing about like the everyday life and improving the human condition in the end so i think that's also comes back to the sort of interest on how we express stuff just to each other journalism and art and mm. are are on that far away from each other even though one is fiction one is fact but they sort of aim for the same thing in a sense How do you see an ideal relationship between a PR agency or a comms agency and the editorial offices of Helsinki Sanomat, for instance? Well, yeah, that's a good question. Um, there's like a few levels. For for example, because I come from a news background, if you look just like that from when you when we're talking about sort of maybe bigger companies or sort of like stuff that's happening. It's really important for a PR uh, or a PR department. It's often a department to be an an accurate and a uh, reachable source of information that you just get information um, uh, from the company, like either not just sort of the latest press release, but sort of you can uh, like get some 
work done if you ask for some numbers or something that is sort of uh, that that's good to give you that is not sort of secret as a business secret or something that you do get it and they are like sort of giving you background information on on what's going on in the company and it's not just all official sort of very tight-lipped sort of thing that's very important that there's an ongoing discussion and there are background discussions as well that you can sort of get help to understand their point of view and there's someone who talks to you sort of in a frank manner as well uh, off the record for example as well and tries to explain stuff and that's one thing one of the most important things a comms person can do uh, and then we like to quote when we quote people we like to quote people who are actually the decision makers so we don't quote the comms people they are mm-hmm. always sort of like talking on background anyway so sort of that they need to be able to explain the stuff yeah. that they are sort of representing and that's not actually always the norm sort of mm-hmm. um this is often when it comes to sort of ongoing news stories so it's really uh that's really really important that you have a person who knows about stuff and person who has the courage and the mandate to talk and explain exactly. stuff off the record is actually a really interesting topic because a lot of the time uh companies are taught that there is no such thing as off the record So those could be, you know, from a company point of view and a PR agency point of view, a bit of a risky conversation to have. What do, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's it's like the, the, this varies from like from country to country, and and a lot of this, a lot of different journalistic cultures. Um, people, journalists do have a lot of off the record conversations, and for the most part, for in our part, I can say that they are uh off the record but um i do have this like caveat that you can sort of like like drop enormous information off the record and sort of make jur- a journalist complicit in in something like just by saying a magic word that oh but this is off the record but our ceo is gonna get fired tomorrow or something like that mm-hmm. so that's not always how it works so there are limits to that But but we try to sort of um, uh, like keep it clear, and and there are off the record conversations as well. But I I understand what you where you're coming from, and there's always there's always a tension there, and and I think for a comms person, it's important to understand sort of the the limits, and that there's an ongoing relationship where you can sort of have a discussion that's. That sort of it, it often is a relationship in some sense also that yeah. it's, it's also built on trust and stuff like that. So yeah, and trust can only be built over time yeah. and uh, like with with several touch points as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's really important. And then then another thing maybe uh, in the relationship between a comms person or a department and artist is if this is for like the news getting information out or anything, then there's, there's the proactive part as well, which is sort of um, not just pitching stuff sort of like single points of entry that there's a new product or there's a new sort of um, whatever that's coming out right now and sort of trying to exploit the media. I think there's always journalists appreciate when you try to 
give information about the uh, field where you work in and the whole how you how the world looks from from a certain point of view for example how what the economy looks like from a startup point of view now or or whatever so you're sort of briefing also the journalists you know in a more wider sort of sense and not just about the one thing that you're trying to sell mm. and I think that's always appreciated and you can can sort of achieve and a position as sort of a uh, an expert in through that as well it could be in, in the in the energy market or or whatever basically in in, in that's mm. that's that's also a relationship you can build and and sort of that you then you you also the stories often grow out of relationships like that or or something that you get to know the the whole field and the whole whole sort of branch of economy you're covering and then you're having these discussions and the peop- the person the comms person or someone you're talking to might even not think that the thing is a news story or in- mm-hmm. of interest and then it sort of develops out of that so i think i don't i don't know the exact number is hard to say but i think there are news stories i think many news stories are actually come out of processes like that more often than just like a press release or mm-hmm. a pitch call. Of course, there are like two news stories or like interesting people that do like work that way, but mm-hmm. it's often a process. Yeah, and we definitely, when we work with our clients, when we try to put our clients into direct contact with journalists, we do kind of try to you know, stay back from that interaction and just allow the journalist and the expert who is being interviewed, maybe they are, maybe they are a scientist in a very interesting field and allow them to have that conversation where new interesting stories can come out of. So that's definitely something that we have to work on every single time. But I also feel like having been an in-house person in the finance industry myself, working with uh, the executive management, there's a lot of fear uh, that they have over their position. So if I say, if there's like one word that I say wrong, then I'm going to be judged by my entire community. So there are a lot of nervousness happening there. And I think that is part of the, part of the reason why sometimes people like to stick to a very, very niche thing mm-hmm. and not go into anything yeah. else. Yeah, that's a cultural thing as well. Uh, and I think it's often a bit uh, sort of um, imagined as well in, in a sense. I don't know if well, I don't know how cruel the bankers really are, but but uh, uh, but I think like there's a lot of also a lot of business people who are having, who are sort of quite open even on social media or, or something like that, yeah. and, and they're they're not hurting for that because they're sort of just having those uh, those discussions like in an ongoing manner. If you start doing that, if I can just like give a good, a really good example is, for example, is uh, Risto Murta, who is one of the like leaders of the Finnish pension, uh, big Finnish pension companies and a really no, well-known sort of financial leader. And he just came out with a book about uh, immigration and the Finnish population and is really active discussing stuff around that on social media. And, 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 and I, I think he's, all the better for that, for example. So he's a really good example in in Finland. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and there's there are really good good examples here here as well around people who can just sort of, in a calm manner, just do like have a discussion sort of publicly. Um, there's uh, like 
uh, and like the grand old man of the forest industry, Jussi Pesonen and UPM, who's really, one might call him a divisive figure in some sense, but at least he's sort of having discussions uh, in the public sphere and, and sort of um, is often out there and, and, and has been sort of airing his views. Uh, and I think he's one of the most sort of successful Finnish business leaders ever, probably as mm, in the same yeah. time. So Yeah, exactly. Final question. What is the worst kind of an interviewee you can imagine? <laughs> uh, well, one, one of the worst kind of situations is sort of the, um, where you don't, where you're sort of overtly careful, like the, in the sort of in some sense that you described where you sort of too sort of, um, limited in some sense to your, to the stuff that you specifically do and sort of afraid to comment more widely about the world or, or things or, or the uh, branch of business in general and, and stuff like that, or sticking to talking points and and just sort of trying to deliver in a really mechanical way a message and not sort of uh, engaging in a discussion really, but but more like just like being more of like 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 a chatbot in some sense. Could but, I have the questions over email? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that kind and of that's, thing. Yeah, that's a good, yeah. And, and also we try to avoid email like statements, that's also a cultural thing in Finland, but uh, we're not, we don't sort of like, uh, it's, it's not an interview if you do it via, via email and, and we often don't consider it an interview. So uh, uh, it's almost the same as you refuse an interview if you refuse sort of being asked more questions mm. about what you, what you say. So it's like we need to talk to the person in charge and Finland is a good society and one of the reasons for that we have high trust and functioning democracy here in the Nordics is that the people in power are sort of more available and they do talk to the media and they do talk um, do talk to people and, and sort of are don't just communicate in a very controlled and distant manner like they do for in the United States for example. All right. Well, I mean, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Yussi. Thanks. Um, before we totally disappear, is there anything else that you would like to add to everything we've talked about so far? Um, well, yeah, I think building relationships with journalists is really important. Like uh, we need like to have sources and people just hear from people and get get like feed like feedback and and like like stuff from people like informally as well. And 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 we're not. It's not that when you build a relationship, you'll find out that journalists are not that sort of like scary. So you're not hound dogs ne- trying to bite. Not people. always, sometimes, but not always. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. But uh, but you can build a relationship and and sort of uh, and, and do that. I think that's really beneficial for society at large as well. So that's what I would like to encourage as well. Definitely. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. This has been the Get Known Podcast. The Get Known Podcast is produced by San Francisco Agency located in beautiful but dark in November, Helsinki, Finland. I'd like to give special thanks to Christina Nieminen for taking over the interview reins today and the production team at Crash for making us all sound so good. To hear more interviews with journalists and PR professionals, please subscribe to the Get Known Podcast feed. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.